I'm Tim Gombas, and this is Faith Improvised. It's a podcast where I can think out loud and talk with friends about things that interest me. Books, films, sports, music, culture, politics, the wonders and complexities of being Christian in this world, and my academic discipline, biblical studies. You're welcome to email me if you like at faithimprovised at gmail.com. In this episode, Steve and I talk a bit more about our identities in relation to our jobs and careers. Yeah, so today I was back with that that third grade class that I was with yesterday. And man, it was just, honestly, it was the funnest time. It was so fun. It was, uh, yeah, Norton Commons Elementary, and the the teacher was, I'll have to say more about that in a minute, man. I think she may have had COVID or thought she might have COVID because it's going around in the school. Jeez. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, it was so funny this morning when I went, you know, you go down to the gym and you pick them up, pick up this, you know, they all gather, they line up in the gym and you go down to eight thirty-five or whatever and pick them up. And it was so sweet. Um, when they saw that it was me, that I was coming to get them, they're like, Oh, Mr. G. <laughs> it was so funny. And, um, yeah. I, I walked up to him, you know, and I, I, I walked down the line and um I I I looked at I looked on their desks before I went down there because there was a couple of people's names I just can't for some reason they just don't stick. Yeah. And um I walked all the way down the line and just tapped each of them on the shoulder and said their name. You know, uh-huh. and just kind of asked them a little question and just kind of said something to them and uh you know just to let them know Hey, you know, you, you mean something, each, each one of you, you know, and I know, I know your name and, uh, there's this one kid, I could not remember his name and Jameson, you'd think I would remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of whiskey or bourbon, whiskey. but, um, it was really, really fun. And we got up to the room and there was a handful of things that the teacher had left, uh, um, you know, for them to work on. And um, I just was messing with him all morning. It was so fun. I told him, I told him, uh, I said, look, everybody here that brought a lunch, I want you to walk up here and give it to me. I forgot my lunch and I'm really hungry today. So everybody hand it over. (laughs) They're like, no, Mr. G, we can't give you our lunch. It just was so fun. Just I just, it's gotta be fun, you know, because it's like, I'm in there. You know, seven hours. I mean, today I just was in there a half day, but um, I just was like, this has got to be fun. I got to crack myself up. I, I can't, I don't want to just bear down, you know? And then when you lighten the mood, they just, they just open up, you know? Oh, yeah. Like there's this one little girl, <clears throat> Cammy, and she's got, uh, she just looks, always got this sort of hang dog look on her face just looks morose, you know, and I just say stuff to her to mess with her, you know, and, and just to, she just lights up. It's just oh. fun, man. There's this kid Grayson. Um, it's so funny how just a kid could just rub you the wrong way, you know? And I'm just like this punk kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, everyone's working quietly. They're all just doing a thing and he just can't, stop fidgeting and um 
So I walk over to him. I like, hey, buddy, what, you know, what's going on? What do you need? He's like, I can't. I can't do this. There were these word problems, like math problems. I mean, I could not get my head around math for up until maybe like I had to keep a checkbook or something. I don't know. Math just never came to me. I, I could not get it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be patient with this kid and I'm just walking him through like basic, you know, this plus this equals this and then equals this. And so you've got a number 19. So it might be the right answer might be the one that's, you know, like six over 19 or whatever. Let's just hit that button. And it, it's right. I'm like, oh, see that? Good job, Grayson. You know, he just totally lit up. It was, I don't know. It was a good morning. I'm going to be back. Not with that group uh, tomorrow, not in that class. But I'm going to be back at that school. It was a good school. I mean, it's well tomorrow. run. Yeah, it's well run. Um, just a really chilled vibe. So, I mean, the whole, <clears throat> you know, the education system is so unjust as far as like where money flows and all that. It's just so perverse. And yeah, the injustice is just, it's gross. Yeah. But it is what it is. And I'm in this situation. And so if I can be in a school that's, you know, uh, that's going to make my day more comfortable and be less of a shock to my system after teaching adults for the last 12 years and 20 years it's like i i'm just i want to give myself a good day <laughs> yeah, sure. well that was cool what you sent me yesterday that note from aubrey oh yeah that was the <laughs> so note. sweet yeah I, I, I had to make you feel so good yeah it did it, it felt really good and I, I handed them over to mrs foster at noon and took off, and uh, they all walked past me, you know, give them fist bump, and this girl Courtney gave me a big hug. It just, it's just fun. It's just fun when you just make classroom time light. You know, of course, Miss Foster may get in there and find out. Well, he didn't assign any work, and just papers everywhere. <laughs> Shit's all over the place. <laughs> My experience from teaching was that when I had to have a sub, all I cared about was no pandemonium and no major meltdowns and referrals. Yeah. I just, if everybody just stayed cool and nobody, nothing went flying in the room. That totally. Was a good day. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I get so worked up in the morning, you know, before I take off, I just get anxious you know, cause I don't like, it's the unpredictable things, you know, is there going to be a lesson plan? And what am I going to look like a jackass is, you know, what's going to happen. But I, all I tell myself is like, a good day is nobody dies. Yeah, right. you know, <laughs> just no broken bones, no fatalities, and I and I get to walk away at three twenty, and that's going to be a good day. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is good to have a sort of um, dark kind of sense of humor that can lighten things up. I mean, not dark really, but like when I was teaching one time, that um, yeah, a teacher that was I, I kind of was next to my room. So we interacted a lot and she was just on her, on her, uh, on our planning period. And she was just, Oh, it was, it was like she, her world was coming to an end and yeah. it really wasn't that bad. It was just, yeah, a couple things had happened and, you know, but you know, I, I said, she's like, she's just the worst day. And I said, yeah, well, 
being being in the military and going into combat, all I could say is it's not the worst day if you're not getting shot at. <laughs> so, seriously, I mean, man. Seriously getting shot at. So the the perspective is uh sometimes helpful. I mean I wasn't saying that in a judgmental way or at all. I was just like, Yeah, just sometimes you just have to back up and say, All right, what's really what's really important here? Yeah. No, nobody got no totally. I, I, I totally get it. I understand everybody's got a bad day. Everybody's got a bad season. Yeah. But um, I've noticed, uh, well, I mean, just think about it. People that are, that are just uh, happy about their lives are magnetic. You want to be around them. And I was really? talking to this teacher that I'm, I'll be subbing for her tomorrow because she's got COVID. Oh, wow. Um. I was talking to her yesterday and she's one of those, you know, I mean, she, she, um, you know, the kids walk by her, they give her a hug. Um, and she was saying, um, man, you just don't know the home situation these kids come from. She's been there 11 years. She, and she got into education, um, later in her life. Um, after working in hospitality, whatever, for a while, yeah. And um, she said it's the biggest deal for her to just let these kids know they're loved and just to help them get the tools that they need. Yeah, and, sure. you know, I mean, here and there, you know, there's like an amp, there's like a cement amphitheater at the one, one end of the playground. Mm-hmm. We're standing at the top of it, watching all these kids. And, um, you know, she would bark at them if, these you know, a couple of boys are running up the cement steps. You know, you're not supposed to run in this area. And she had that, you know, she could certainly get their attention. But it's like she could switch gears so fast and just, you know, lighten it up. Um, and I just I I you know, I just have so much respect for these school teachers and, and for oh, the ones boy. that sort of maintain a sense of humanity. I mean, they're just fantastic people. Um, but yeah. Man, I just know for myself to get through my day. I just look at that clock and it just crawls by. I'm like, oh man, I did, we gotta, we gotta do something yeah. just to yeah. change up. But yeah, there's she's got COVID. Uh, another teacher just had COVID, and I'm just yeah. like, man, this is. Good. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, well, how do I don't know. You don't have to know. There's a couple people. Uh, there's a couple people that are masked up at school. Yeah. Yeah. Not many. So I don't know. I don't know. Is it like I bad? hope it's like bad. What, like what's going around now? Is it like a bad? Flu? I have no idea. Huh. I don't I know. They didn't. Very mild. What's that? Well, I, I had it twice, but it. I think it was an earlier variant, but I. I was vaccinated and it, it, it was like a bad day of allergies. I didn't feel bad really that much at all. I didn't even have a temperature. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm hoping, I don't know. I, I'll, yeah. I'll uh, get a sense of how I'm feeling on Saturday. Uh, you know, I just won't come down on Sunday for the Super Bowl if I'm not feeling great, but I don't want to miss yeah. the game. And the food you know. and the drink and the goofing off. Little Smokies. <laughs> can't have a Super Bowl party without little smokies. <laughs> did um did you listen to Tony Kornheiser today? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I they were uh, cuz uh there was 
Chuck Todd and Reginald the Monkey were making their Super Bowl picks. And oh, um, I to it. yeah, it's just interesting. Um, it's, it's just a funny thing where like you get on the other side of a game and you're like, why didn't I see that? Why didn't I see that they, you know, that that was going to turn out that way. But like, it's so nuts that beforehand you just have no idea which way yeah. it could go. And it's like the 49ers look better on paper and they're, you know, slightly favored. But like, I don't know. I just don't. There's just anything could happen. And Super Bowls are often like anticlimactic and not even all that great of a game. Um, yeah. We'll see. Remember when the Chiefs I, got blown out that year in the Super Bowl? I mean, it wasn't even really a game. Remember that? What year was that? I can't remember. It was it when the Buccaneers. It was back a few years ago. Within the last thought, couple? Yeah, and, and everybody thought, oh, wow, they're going to you know bank on them. I mean, they've got two Super Bowls under Mahomes. Yeah. And and then they, they got, like, cr- killed. I really? It was just, oh, yeah, I can't. Anyway. Was it the Buccaneers? Was it uh, Brady's Buccaneers? I, I can't. Man, I know all the Super Bowl like, champions from, like, the 80s when I was dialed in. Yeah. I can't remember anything anymore. Last twenty years, I've gone by in a flash of blazes. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, it is so it's so incredibly hard to predict. I mean, man, Mahomes. I wouldn't bet against Mahomes. That's the thing. I, that's what I'm saying. I would never do it. Like you just know that he's going to show up. Although, like you said, the one time oh, he didn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, two. He's been in two Super Bowls where he lost, and he's been in four Super Bowls, which is incredible. It's yeah. Given his young career so far, two wins and and two other Super Bowls. That's yeah significant. But what is he like? Twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard that's to believe. Really hard to believe when you Brady's longevity. I don't know. Yeah, he's a freak of nature as far as yeah. You know, well, it's interesting of- the kind of athletes like Mahomes, where um, he's been there so often that it's like this is just what this is just what it means to be a pro football player. You just keep going to the Super Bowl, you know. And then yeah. there's other guys that just grind away for a career and never get their shot uh, or never win it. I mean, I just you know Dan Marino, um, yeah. Dan Fouts. Uh, you know, Lamar has been wanting it so bad. He, oh he yeah, totally, drafted. man. I remember him saying when he got drafted, "I'm going to bring you Super Bowl." Well, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. takes a team. You know, it's yeah, it's yeah. not that easy. You could have all the resolve you want, but man, yeah, yeah it's a. Uh, it makes me think of um, like somebody like, on one hand, Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to somebody like Tiger Woods, who just came out of the gate, you know, within his first year of being a pro, he won the Masters. And you remember all those years of disappointment with Phil. I mean, he just would get so close, but it would elude his grasp. And oh, yeah. I don't know, sports are cruel. There's no guarantees, you know? You're so cruel. <laughs> it's hard to watch sometimes. I know. I was talking yeah. with this... um this other woman uh, today, the sub of, of one of the other third grade classes. And um, we we're just talking about how tomorrow's going to work out and then Friday and Monday, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, I'm probably taking Monday 
off because we're having a Super Bowl party at our house. So we, so we talked a little bit about the game, and she goes, well, I'm, I'm actually a Lions fan. So we were talking about the Lions game and how it is that um, I had resisted um, texting my buddy Chris during the first half because it's like you get to that first ha- to, to halftime, and they were up by, I don't even know what, I can't remember what score it was, like 23-10 or 23-7 or 27-3, or I can't remember. And it was like, oh, my word, do not. And my my thought was, don't mess with the juju. Like, I don't yeah. I don't believe yeah, yeah. in pretty much anything going on in the world except, like, sports superstition, you know. Yeah. And um, I was like, do not text. Uh, yeah. Do not presume anything. You don't, don't mess with it. And yeah. my friend Marin texted me. I was like, oh, no. You, she's like, hey, what, what great first half. Right? I'm like, don't jinx this. <laughs> what is and, that about? We're superstitious kind of. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And this this woman was saying that she texted the principal. Um, and she said, I, I'm, you know, I may not I may not be in tomorrow because uh, of all the partying we're going to do at the end of the game. And he's like, I can't believe you just texted me. Like you just jinxed it. You just ruined it. It's like, oh, I mean, older sports fans know, like you don't, yeah, do not yeah. mess with the sporting gods or whatever. I don't know. So I just, funny. I don't know. Tony Kornheiser always talks about the owner of the Falcons who um, in the first half of the Super Bowl, when the Falcons were up, like blowing out the Patriots, he was on the sideline dancing. And oh, Brady came back, oh, oh. handed it to him. <laughs> Here's your dancing. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Dance this, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to hear your thoughts about. Um, um, I had no idea this was the case. I, I think Allison mentioned something about how, like, the whole MAGA crowd is like up upset at Taylor Swift, or like, I, I, nothing, none of that, nothing. Nothing from that direction makes a whole lot of sense to me. I, I didn't understand why or what the deal was, but it'll be interesting to hear what you think. Uh, Tony Kornheiser talks about it today. Um, I think it's because Travis Kelsey had done a Pfizer ad. Yeah, for vaccine. You know, for the booster. And, and that's why that crowd uh, has this sort of, some kind of conspiracy theory that Taylor Swift is is in some way like hired by the government. An I mean, <laughs> yeah, oh, God, <laughs> it is so jacked up. Um, He's too but, successful. I mean, He's working with the government. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally. Can't even pass a budget. I mean, oh my word! People, I know. people give the government way too much credit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you work at when you work at the Pentagon and seen what the clown show it is a lot of times it's like wow can't believe anything gets around here but uh yeah well i think she she was vocal to her fans in concerts which is her prerogative and to say go go register to vote i don't know if she went so far as to say where who she might have i think she endorsed biden last time but um i think for the most part, people know where she leans on the spectrum. And um, there's a big, something went viral on YouTube that Allison was showing me where she was telling her parents, you know, 
get a grip and they were i think they were pretty right leaning or something and she was pushing back quite a bit i think that thing went viral so i there's i think there's a number of reasons why uh and she's okay. so influential holy cow yeah. i think that's probably what scares the maga people if she were to outright endorse somebody holy you'd have <laughs> you'd, yeah hundreds of thousands of potential voters just by her endorsement so i mean she that, she's a sharp cookie she and she, man carries a lot of uh carries a lot of 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 clout right yeah now. yeah it's, it's incredible yeah yeah she seems like a very interesting person i i i, I think i've heard two of her songs i don't know yeah. much about her body of work yeah. but um and she seems like a real, like, unlike somebody like uh, Kanye West, I mean, just in this aspect of how he sort of, um, anytime a camera is trained on him, he tries to look like sourpuss and morose. Um, it's interesting to see her be so, like, ebullient and celebratory as she, you know, watches yeah. football. It's cool. I mean, you know, it Very doesn't positive. seem to be like... Uh, um, playing some kind of like forlorn disaffected musician or something i don't know she's not she's not a threat to robert smith that's for sure yeah (laughs) or morrissey i think she's a real deal i think she just just all around yeah 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 that's interesting i'm not for music either i mean you and i are you know more 80s 90s rockers (laughs) yeah yeah oh yeah what the kids are listening to i have no idea but it, it'll be interesting to hear what you think about this uh, this conspiracy theory. And then also, um, I uh, I'm going up to see my folks Friday Saturday. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to float that. I'll have to float that. You know, to some of my family members. See if they're. <laughs> the you never know. <laughs> yeah, or maybe I should ask Don if he buys into it. You know. Yeah, that would be. A you never one. know. Yeah. yeah who that knows appears. yeah man it was interesting uh we got uh, a good number of emails about you know just thinking about talking about career and yeah. job and how that doesn't define us i just thought it was interesting that kind of struck a chord yeah. um i think it's yeah it's been helpful for you and for me to have to be in the kind of position where that we've had to think about it um yeah it's not you know for better or for worse it's like um you know holding on to a healthy sense of self in an era of unpredictability but it was just interesting that 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 did strike a chord with some folks you know i'm really not surprised i mean i'm glad it did but i'm uh because if you think about it like work it doesn't get talked about critically a lot like like peeling back the layers of, okay, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What, um, and, and, and it's just, it's the, it's one of the biggest parts of everybody's life. I mean, if you think about it's your family relationships and work and you sleep at night, I think it's probably about a third of your life is what you yeah. do. And I mean, it's so huge and, it, and it's easily it can be so, yeah frustrating for one thing and also i don't know it could yeah it's such a big part of our lives and the other thing too i was thinking about on my walk this morning just thinking about what we talked about 
little while ago about work is that, uh, you know, for so many hundreds and thousands probably years, people didn't, they, they didn't think about what they were going to do. If you were born a, a smithy, you were going to be a smithy. Yeah. If, yeah. if you were born any boy smithies, yeah, <laughs> that was it, you know, and um, it's only really in the modern era and now into our whatever era we're in now, the digital age that we had, we had this, this kind of like, we, you know, this enormous, what we think is an enormous set of options of what we could potentially do. Yeah. And um, I think that's paralyzing. I, I think that that totally. really gets inside people's heads. It, it has mine, and to say, "Yeah, oh, am I doing the best thing here?" Because there's a thousand other things I could be doing. Yeah, you know, you always—I mean, we always tend to be more into our own head than, than sometimes objective about about stuff. About like the grass is always greener on the other side, um, but. Man, it, I think that sets up a paralysis of, oh, you know, of, of angst, of of ennui, that just oh, there I've chosen the wrong thing, mm-hmm. you know, I've taken the wrong path. Whereas for so many years, there was no questioning what you're going to do. You just did it. You were born a, a plow hand, and you're going to be the best plow hand you could be. And there was. Y- y- you didn't have to spend any mental energy worrying about it. Did I do the right thing? If you know what yeah. I mean. Oh, I totally do. I remember, um, I remember, uh, like in college when I first started taking Christian faith seriously and was just, uh, you know, taking on board like pious practices of, you know, trying to determine God's will for my life. And of course, you know, that has to do with like, you know, who will you marry? What job will you take? That's about yeah. it. Um, and you know, it was a it was a big deal. You got to, yeah, like you said, I I was racked with anxiety. We got to get this baby right. Uh, I got to choose the right career. Um, and if I do all that sort of selection process rightly, then I'm going to enjoy God's blessing, and it's all going to work out. I'm going to get the job I want. <clears throat> all that kind of thing. And uh, like you said, that meant uh, that when I was 18 at the most ill-equipped time of my life to choose what the rest of my life will be like, I'm having to sort of look at the wide range of options in the grocery store that is the rest of my life. And like, do I want to be a, you know, a doctor or a whatever? Uh, yeah garage door repairman or an attorney or who knows what. And, um, it's like, it's paralyzing. You're always wondering if you're getting it right or if you've not gotten it right. And for me, some dude on a motorcycle was zooming around the neighborhood. For me, it was like when I started studying what life was like in the first century, um, what what life was like for these these people that are hearing gospel stories and they're receiving these letters from apostles like none of them are quote unquote looking for god's will for their lives none of them have options none of them right um 
it's like for 93% of all the people that are in the audiences of all these New Testament documents, like you said, you're most likely a farmhand and you're just going to, you're going to do that from the time you can move your body because we got to eat and food is scarce and we got to survive and you don't have, this is why there's none of that, none of that whole conception of like, quote unquote, finding God's will is anywhere in the New Testament because none of them are, they're all trying to survive. And, and then like reading, uh, this is, this is like the brilliance of like just reading history, reading what was, what's yeah. life been like in American history and Western history and world history. Um, Like you were saying, I remember reading about the rise of the professional class and even over like only the last maybe 100, 140 years, maybe for a certain class of people um that way of thinking applies yeah uh, this is maybe this is one more way that um american evangelicalism in america is actually white conservative american evangelicalism because it's it's a it's a a cultural way of being that is built for middle and upper middle class white people that have options in life and can make choices. But for the rest of the world and most of the rest of the country, people don't have choices. It's just like, do what you can to get a paycheck. And I inherited it. And Oh, Elaine de Botton says this, which is a very unsophisticated way of saying his name, (laughs) but he, he gets at this uh, with regard to love relationships and about how like we're so shaped by romantic thinking yeah. Um, I haven't read too much of what he has to say about work, mm. but I think that so much of that is shaped by romantic thinking. Um, oh, you know, I'm going to yeah. just run through a certain set of tests or do it some kind of seeking for God's will kind of way. And, you know, the wonderful job is going to pop out at the other end and I'll be fulfilled and I can have this great retirement. Um, I just, I was given that conception of things and had, to come to a far grittier reality, just a more realistic conception of, of what it's all about um, through my own experiences and realizing what I have could go away um, just because the unreliability and unpredictability of, you know, evangelical institutional life. Um, I just wish I had been granted something far more realistic, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate my dad. Um, you know, he would, you know, he was a, a a dentist before he retired a few decades ago now. Wow. wow. Um, he never made a big deal out of what he did. Uh, so, I mean, I appreciate that. He didn't see his identity as so wrapped up uh, with that. He was, he was really always more excited about like working in his church and looking after folks that needed help. Um, I mean, I appreciate having had that sort of template um at the same time i did inherit so many romantic notions that just they didn't help me they didn't help set me up for just a realistic view of what what this is all about like just get it just make a paycheck yeah it's just where you're slotted in capitalism and if you're not centering your identity by capitalism then who cares right yeah no that's a huge one yeah i think i I thought about that a lot that it just like romantic notions of love, we have this kind of romantic idea of the, of the perfect job of, of our yeah. true calling. 
And when you get into the religious aspect of it, it gets really kind of weird to me. I mean, now, this many years later, there was a time in my life where I bought into all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, malarkey about, well, this is <laughs> your calling. Is mm-hmm. it a vocation? No, not at all. You know, there was a book that I read, I think, not long after seminary by, by Bruce Waltke, I believe, called um, Finding God's Will, a Pagan oh, Mission, yeah. Mark. Yeah. And it blew my mind because um, he really laid out the the stupidity that's crept into our thinking and, uh, you know, evangelicalism as a subset. I don't know what else, but that, yeah, if you were... You, you have to divine some secret plan. <clears throat> I think I remember him saying, uh, rejoice, always be thankful and something else. That's God's will. <laughs> you know, it was a verse yeah. from Paul. That yeah. It was just like very simple. Um, give thanks, rejoice. Something, it was, it was like three things. And yeah. this is the will of God for you. And it was just thankfulness and being grateful. And, and you know, that was it. That was, that was the will. So he's yeah. like, what? finding and sometimes I've, I've had family members that get really super tweaked and frustrated because they're like i don't know i don't know if i'm doing guns little i'm like i i've said it a few times like do you, and i'm trying to say this um gently <laughs> I'm like, do you really think god gives a crap what kind of car you drive or what yeah. your house looks like or what, or what your title is you know um Oh man, if that's if that's an issue, I, that's a that's a god I I really don't want to I don't want to deal with yeah. much. But, uh, yeah, that just a whole whole notion th- those whole notions that creep in that you know you haven't found the way. Well, what what are we talking about? And you know that that Walkie calls it paganism. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's really that's no, good. it totally is. Well, once you see what the kinds of things that are going on, like in Roman religious practices, Mm. you know, I mean, they're trying to figure out, should we, do we go to war with, with these folks or not? Or, or like, you know, what do the augers say or the entrails of animals? I mean, all kinds of like auspicious signs are, you know, are investigated to figure out if, if you've got the favor of the gods, it's, it's, it's exactly paganism brought into, uh, Christian thinking completely. What the oracle say? <laughs> do we do we remember the back when we were in that world that they they would have like spiritual gift tests? Oh God, yeah, it's <laughs> so buddy, bad. My buddy Mike Bailey, God rest his soul, he said uh, he took a <laughs> spiritual gift test. He was a new Christian. Yeah. At that time, he was he was meeting in a church that, that was, or he was at a, at a church that was meeting in a um, like a school gymnasium. They yeah, have their own building, and so he had to, he helped set up chairs every Sunday for the service. And uh, so I asked him just kind of, I was already kind of wary of that kind of thinking. I was like, so what was your spiritual gift, Mike? And he goes, well, they didn't tell me I was wasting my time setting up chairs. <laughs> That was the funniest thing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, uh, that's, um, I don't know, man. 
doing stuff like that is actually such a big deal. I mean, getting, you know how it is as a pastor. It's like getting people to show up to just, could you help set up and tear down? That's right. You know, you'd be hitting a home run in my book. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, I, um, it's so funny because after, uh, I mean, I've told you about this church I've been um, kind of hanging out with for the last five months or so. And I, I'm going to talk with them about joining. It's, it's just, I really love this, these people. And I love That's the awesome. ethos and everything about the church. Um, But like after having done stuff, um, you know, like been responsible for things in, in a church environment and all that kind of stuff. Man, I love, I love just showing up and helping out. You know, I don't, I don't, I, you know, if I'm asked to do something where I'm teaching or leading, I think that's fine. I, I don't, I don't seek it out. I love just showing up and helping, you know, next Thursday night we'll be packing boxes. And then on set on the Saturday, you know, distributing those to um, folks in the neighborhood that are hungry. It's just stuff like that. The stuff that people, I mean, this church shows up to that kind of stuff. So it's really cool. Um, but I love doing that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, just in the, the basic ways, it's like, I've got, you know, I mean, ever since my kids were, I don't know, could look after themselves a bit more. I mean, I feel like my life's been far more flexible and, and now I've got just tons of space in my life and I can, I can do that kind of thing. Um, and I'm always happy to jump in and, and, and not only that, but in my situation of wanting to get integrated into this new community, it's like, there's no better way to, you know, um, meet people than packing boxes next to each other and, um, that sort of thing. It's just really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, what's interesting is, um, that, that just like finding God's will is a pagan notion that's been brought into Christianity uh, in the very same way, um, you know, personality type tests is yeah. is a mechanism for finding how to slot people well into capitalistic structures. Right? Um, are they a manager person? Are they a manage, you know? Are they a manager type? Are they a, a basic worker type? And that was the whole point behind the um, Myers Briggs tests back yeah. in the early part of the 20th century. How do you slot people into capitalism well well that's just another way that something that is you know capitalistic and pagan gets brought into christianity specifically evangelicalism and just to you how do you slot person how do you slot a person into like a super organized um church that looks like a capitalistically produced social body you know I mean, from that angle, it just completely gets it wrong. And plus, I was um, I was talking to uh, Mike and Tim of Voxology about this. <clears throat> it runs in completely the wrong direction. Like, yeah, yeah. Instead of instead of thinking about like, like Paul talks about how it is that um, if you have a spiritual gift, if you think you have some kind of a spiritual gift, if you think you have like a message in tongues or whatever, but there's nobody there to translate and it's not going to bless the church, then be quiet. Yeah. So you can imagine that you have a gift, but if it's not going to be a blessing to the social body, then just, you don't. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. But it, it's so it's like the church is what determines whether whether and how you are a gift to it. 
it, like that local body and whatever its needs are. It's not the case that you take some tests beforehand and then go find out where you can do it. You know, it's just, it's just so backwards. You know, it, it, yeah, I totally agree. When, there was, I might've told you about this. This was like years and years ago when I was pastoring at the Baptist church, mm-hmm. um, working my butt off. I mean, working three jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, that was honestly the best thing. I learned more from that than, you know, anything. I mean, it taught me yeah. so many things and, and, um, um, I was talking to this other pastor in another state who is at this very well-to-do reformed church. I mean, a, a lot of really well-to-do people and, um, we were having lunch and he was <laughs> so just, you look back on things and go, wow. He said, uh, we were having lunch and, and he's like, so what, what's going on in your ministry? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Love these people that are crazier than a March hare. <laughs> all of <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I was like, he goes, and, and you're you're still teaching school, and because he he knew my sister at that time, her family went to that church, mm-hmm. and uh, she so he knew through her kind of what I was up to. And I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, doing this and doing that paying the bills and he was like oh he got this like like um piously sad look on his face like oh, i'm just been i'm gonna pray that god will make you a full-time pastor and um i'm just gonna pray like it was some big heavy thing i'm like well i said well you know respectfully how do you know God wants me to be a full-time pastor. How do you know you're yeah, not praying? Seriously. Dude? And I mean, I didn't say it that way, but he, he didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. And then I said, you know, um, I believe there was an apostle by the name of Paul who yeah. worked, worked a couple of odd jobs to get by. And he just, I was like dumbstruck that, but it called into question his whole. Yeah being i mean in like you know all of these incredible assumptions that just he'd never really critically thought about and you know two years later man it was a massive blow-up disaster i won't go into it he's no longer in the ministry but i yeah you know i just think it it sets so many pastors up for you you asked me a long time ago what did you what were the benefits of being bivocational i was like being in the real world was the yeah. big one I mean, yeah. realizing what the people who are paying your partial salary as a pastor are having to do and deal with in their jobs and frustrations every day. I'm kind of circling back to our jobs. It's like, man, it's just a pain in the butt. You just have to deal with pains in the butts, which is why we get a paycheck. Not to say some aren't more enjoyable than others, but, you know, man, that, there's, there's a lot of arrogance in that thinking, you know, never forget that conversation. Well, I'm praying f- for you to be full time. I was like, boy, that's crazy. That's yeah, it's crazy. That is arrogant. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, man. <clears throat> that Five is smarter. Certain- well, I'm praying that you'll become bivocational and get a real <laughs> taste from your own medicine. No, I don't mean that, but it's it's 
Seriously, man, would have been good for him. Yeah, yeah I, would, I for some I can't remember why. Um, I can't remember why I was into this. Oh, I think I was I was digging out a passage, uh, but just came across um, Paul's discussion. I think it's in First Corinthians eight, where he talks about how um, it's his his reward is to actually minister and do do his task and not take any payment, which is kind of, it's a really, it's really hard to get your head around Mm. why like that discussion, but it's like, because he's been given a commission, um, he could make, he could make a living off of what he's doing, but what he, he wants to sort of, um, I don't know, almost do something like special, not to make him put himself in some kind of special class, but he just, it's almost playful, I think, or just nuts. Like he just, he wants some, some personal buy-in and the way that he gets that is he's not going to take anything from anybody. Man, you know, your friend, Matt Canlis, um, and my friend, Matt Canlis, I met him, but I, you know him a lot better. I met him a couple of times up in St. Andrews. And when you're in Scotland and he just reminded me what you were saying of, he told me he's such a wise guy. Um, I mean, to be relatively young I mean, yeah, he said, uh, you need to read, it was a vanity fair article. I think I'm pretty sure called the million dollar nose. Huh? It was about, Oh, I remember Robert, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was about why probably arguably the, the, the most, astute and critical wine critic in the world that uh robert parker and he's this country boy from maryland and matt didn't tell me all about it what it was saying but he he just said you got to read this article it will change your life and i was like whoa now that's pretty that's putting some weight on the article and i hit okay so it's one of those like things i'll never forget and i love to think about and it was that and I think it ties back in with Paul's not wanting to compromise certain things. <clears throat> so Parker, he's called the million dollar nose because he can recall wines he's tasted like 10 years ago, a blind sample. They'll, they'll, they'll hmm. try to dump him and say, okay, here's a wine you, you rated back in whatever. And he'll nail it. He'll say it was this vintage. It was this label. And they're like, holy crap. So, so, so California wines have been winning some, they've been beating some French wines. Let's put hmm. it that way, which is a big deal. Not all of them, but, but like Chateau Montalena was one of them up in Calistoga. Mm-hmm. And he went to France at the invitation of all these French aristocrats who've had these big wine estates and, uh, you know, uh, highfalutin old families, snotty upper crust. And, um, they're like, well, we want you to taste our wine. What they were wanting, because he had a publication, I think it was called The Wine Advocate. Hmm. It's still, it may still be out there. I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. But they wanted him to get, sing their praises and toot their horns. And he goes, but before I taste the wine, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you if I don't like it, if I don't think it's very good hmm. uh, or not. And um, anyway, he he had they were trying to bribe him with like, cases of like thousands wow. uh, cases of wine with one bottle would be a couple thousand dollar bottle he goes i'm not taking it i'm not taking your wine i'm not taking mm. your bribe 
because I know what you're doing here. He goes, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I think of your wine and you can just take a hike if you don't like it. <laughs> and it, anyway, I'm, I'm everybody out there, the article, it's great. If you, if you're interested in it, it's just fascinating. He got dogs were sicked on him and I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. Wow. These, these old aristocratic families were like, Oh, wine is the finest of all. Like bullshit. It doesn't taste that good at all. It really, you had a bad year or something. So, but uh, just circling back to what you're saying, it, I've never forgotten that, man, money can corrupt everything. Oh, totally. And I think, well, yeah, it pushes back. That's why I started to see as I matured, like in ministry to some degree, <laughs> still working on it, that I, I realized money is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a solution necessarily. It's, it, it's a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, a couple of years ago, uh, starting in 2020, um, you know, when a good number when a good number of white people woke up to the realities of race in our country, mm. um, and with just growing awareness of police violence against black people and black communities, um, there, was a, there were a lot of Christian people uh wondering why pastors were not saying more about this and um i mean the as tony kornheiser always says the answer to all your questions is money they're getting they're getting once you get once you're getting paid by the church and you know i mean pastors run they do the calculus um they know the what the books look like and they know that those two people over there basically fund, you know, 45% of the church's, you know, income. And there's a bunch of other families that just don't, and these people don't want to hear about all that racial talk. So they don't do it because they don't want to, you know, lose a paycheck or lose a job or threaten, um, threaten that whole structure. And, uh, yeah, money does corrupt everything. And, um, yeah. I mean, I used to have that talk um, with potential seminary students all the time or seminary students and would just encourage them to not think about ministry as a career, um, which, I mean, the seminary and, and seminaries exist uh, on that ideology. Um, but, you know, I was more interested in being able, being able to sleep at night with, um, yeah. than keep yeah. my job after a while and would just tell people, look, every pastor loves having an educated and capable layperson in their church. And if you are in seminary just for that purpose, that's great. That's that's a great goal to be able to serve your church but not make a living off of it. And you you imagine that you want to have a ministry career, but it's not what you think. Um yeah. And that paycheck makes you become far less of a straight talker to your people. You you won't do it. Yeah. I mean, that's the situation that you were in. I mean, when you're getting paid, what was it like eight, 9,000 a year? It's like you, you can actually afford to speak honestly to your people. I mean, you're actually free to love them and Mm -hmm. free to love them when it's gotta be some like tough love. Right. Absolutely. Right. And I, I did feel a, a growing freedom 
when I started to see the whole picture like that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and just going, yeah, just doing ministry, you know, being with people in the hospital and um, going to serve, driving the bus to serve at the homeless shelter. Yeah. You know, have a homeless ministry. It's like, you know, doing, you know, being a lead servant rather than, I, I, I got to the point where I was kind of just disgusted to get paid at all. I mean, I, I honestly, if I ever had a prayer, it was that I could be independent of the church's money because it, like you say, it's, yeah, it's always yeah, it's business meetings where it's like, well, let's look at our numbers this month. <laughs> we, 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 gave, we gave more than we took in. We're in the, we're in the red or whatever. I'm like, Oh, we, we gave more than we took in. So we're being Christian. We're, we're, we're a charity. Yeah. We're not, we're not a money-making yeah. organization. We're probably on the right track if we're giving more than we're taking in. But it just that man, that corporate mindset just saturates. Totally, man. So, so much. Yeah. It's hard to get out of it. It's hard to get out of that mindset when you're, when that is the mindset that you have in business or in whatever in the world. Instead of thinking about how the cross shapes a social body and a social yeah. body's imagination when it comes to resources and all that. Yeah. Jesus's words that it's better to give than to receive, um, recede from view when we're all looking at the books. Yeah. Oddly I was, enough. I was venting to my parents the other day. It was just some of the most basic statements of, of Jesus. Oh yeah. Said, hey, don't you remember? Cause I, I was, I was talking about how corrupt a lot of our corporate it is insane. Allison's seeing this right now. She's like, corporate America is just ruthless. I'm like, yeah. well, of course. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah. So I was telling mom and dad some of this. And then I said, I said, you know, I think Jesus said something like, it is impossible for a rich person to get into the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what is that? Hyperbole? <laughs> yeah. Was he just messing around? Uh, you know, anyway, it was funny. We had, yeah, those are. <laughs> There's only one person laughing in that room. Yeah, I know. That's, That's so funny. Dude, good to talk as always. I'm going to get out, enjoy this beautiful sunshine. What a crazy, beautiful day. Oh, I'm in flip-flops and a t-shirt out walking. Oh, dude. That's the best. I don't, my, I'm my, not my even going to look at Is Get a job, sir. <laughs> dude, what your parents did. That's right. All right, bro. Love you, man.